Hello, I'm Rebecca Horan and a very warm welcome to A Little Birdie Told Me, a podcast brought to you by Rollercoaster.ie. In this season, I will sit down and chat to 16 pretty interesting people to discuss pregnancy, parenting and everything in between. On this episode, I sit down with my longtime friend, Amy White. Amy is a cancer survivor who went through a fascinating surrogacy journey with her husband, Reggie. Amy's sister, Katie, carried their daughter, Florence, and this podcast will take you from Dublin to New Zealand. Well, it is a great honour today to have a friend of mine in. Um, This lady I've known probably most of my life now at this stage, and that makes me sound like I'm really old, but I've known her for all of my school days and all of my adult life, and have obviously, because of our friendship, followed um, her along through her various journeys through life like she has me. And I feel like her story is so powerful, informative, beautiful, with a ton of um, roller coaster rides along the way. And I felt like she is best to discuss this. Um, so please welcome Amy White to the podcast. Amy, hello. Thank you. Thanks. It's so good to have you. No, it's, it's really nice to talk about, um, yeah, what we're going to talk about. Well, I think when I said to Amy, I really want to have you on to discuss this. And I think you were like, yeah, I'll think about that. That's great. Thanks. There was a part of you that also was like, but it's so important to talk about it. So sometimes we can refrain from opening up too much, but it's actually really important for other people. Oh, I, I like, yeah, like 100%. I feel like I feel like I share, I, I, I have always been open to sharing my my journey of to parenthood. But um, more so, I just feel like it, it's something that should be openly talked about if people are in that comfortable space to, to talk about it. So, yeah. And we hear a lot about the kind of, mainstream parenting the heteronormative you know couples with their 2.5 kids and their road to pregnancy and it's all very kind of simplified and yeah. it seems to be put in a box and I guess your journey just isn't that um and and all the more beautiful and you have a child called Flo Florence Flo oh, um yeah. what age is she now she's two and a half yeah I know, yeah. And they're teenagers. Um, Okay, I'm going to start in your 20s. So I would like you to set the scene a little bit for people who don't know the story. Lots of people might know your story, and I think you'll you'll get an even more in-depth look at it today. But you're living your life. You're a great um, pal to your friends. You're full of life. You're very vibrant. You go off to college to study art. Well, to study design, fashion design and NCAD. You're in your 20s and this massive thing happens to you. So talk to us about that. So having the time of my life, like literally having the crack, like probably too much fun, like on reflection, way too much fun fun and not probably a balanced enough, (laughs) balanced enough (laughs) part of like sleeping and all the rest. But um, yeah, I was like at that stage, I had my first business and my first retail uh, store and literally just living my best life, traveling around with work, um, going to surf spots and to the snow places and trade shows. And then, yeah, just things changed. Um, Totally caught me me off guard. And I guess also, I never feel like I know enough about women's health. And I'm still learning um, as I'm now going through, like I think my consultant said, it's like, uh, medicate uh, like a, a medical incident has put me into menopause in my late 30s so like I'm still learning all of these things but I guess when I was diagnosed with cancer I didn't I wasn't aware of the things I possibly should have been more aware of at the time Um, not saying that it was the reason I got cancer but I guess I feel like I was probably I wish there had been more talk around certain things that there wasn't and I still feel like there's probably more space for them to be talked about even now. But but about everything in school we didn't know about. And you're correct. It's it's not even just that. It's everything to do with fertility and sex education and women's health. It's such a like it's such a not a big deal. And yet it's the biggest deal. It, it is such a big. Yeah, it's such a big deal. And also even like uh, I can't remember who I was listening to a podcast the day and um, they were talking about she was in an all girls school and whenever she got her period, she'd be stuffing up a tampon up her sleeve to run to the bathroom like because she was mortified in case any of the other women in the school knew she had her period. But that's what we did. And Crazy. it was so, yeah. So like we didn't, we were not very open. I don't feel it as women, we're not open enough. I think there is a slight change, but. Shame, a little bit of shame. Yeah, and then around, um, yeah, like understanding different things like um obviously for me smear test was my kind of turning point in life but um 
yeah, learning more and more about that. So, um, what think, age were you when this all? So I was twenty five, having the crack, and I had like abnormal bleeding during intercourse, which would never have happened to before. And I was like, whoa, that's weird. That never happened. Like I would have only ever bled on my period. So went to the GP to. I was like, I have to go to the GP, see what's going on. But I was at that age of 25, as there's the kind of gray area. Do you start to get smear tests from 25 on? Or you're not really encouraged in Ireland at the time to get them younger than 25. Um, and no one goes, must get smear tests. If I'm not recommended to get them on, I have no symptoms. <laughs> it's not a fun so day out. It's not, it's not that much crack. Um, so, yeah, I, I went to the doctor, came back with an abnormal smear and went in to get um, cells removed, which I think straight away the moment he did that, he was like, oh, God. Um, Amazing care I had, but it definitely from then, from straight away, then from my first procedure, it was, yeah, you, you, like, there was cancer and it was in my, so it was cervical cancer it was had had spread, so I had to have a hysterectomy, and it had also moved into my lymph nodes. So I've no idea how long it was there for. It, I, I, it must have been there for a while, but obviously not that long either. But enough that it had done enough, but also enough that it was thankfully able to be taken care of in a very invasive way. But there's more invasive treatments that can happen to other people so I kind of feel like and then when I look back at that time when you say you know I I didn't know I was working and living with you at the time Mm. I remember you and whether it's connected at all I don't know but being suddenly someone who was tired having been sugar rush high energy you were just always the, the life and soul and full of joy and you were just a bright spark and you and I were so bold in work and yet we still got our job done and we were so bold living together but we you know we just had a lot of fun and I do remember there being an instance of you being quite depleted and exhausted and I'm not sure if you remember that being connected or if it was but you were wrecked for a certain period and I wonder if that was this kind of you weren't well I don't know I don't know it was it was such a busy time in my life because I had a new business and I loved it and it was a retail business it was seven days a week and I was working so many hours, but I loved what I did. Um, so I don't know, and, and you can spend your life analyzing and wondering, but yeah, it, I I was having so much fun, and, and I was healthy. Mm. Like, obviously we were going out and having plenty of drinks, and like, I wasn't cooking from scratch every night, but in general, <laughs> like, like if you, to look, if you had looked at me, I will, you would have said She's that's really a healthy, healthy yeah. young yeah. person shape, who is healthy, all those things. The, yeah. So I didn't have any symptoms bar that. So you go, this happens, you're told that there's going to have to be, you know, procedure done. What more information are you giving? And, and is it a complete blow, Amy? Are you completely stunned? Were you a bit numb? I don't, uh, it's weird, I don't remember a huge amount of it, but I think I chose to not remember a huge amount of it. I think when I went in and my mum was there for the, like, the diagnose information or whatever, and I remember just being like, I'm not listening, I can't. Like, my, I went into total, like, tunnel vision, um, and then my family came to the appointment to to hear and understand more, but for me, it was so important to have other people to hear things. And I know, like, on, on as, as, as life goes on now, I hear them talk about things that I don't remember. So I suppose like I possibly for me, the, th- the best thing to do is just be like, I'm just gonna put my head down. If you could just get rid of the cancer it would be great. And I don't really need to know any other information for what we have to do. Like I didn't, yeah. my family were really pushing to look at all the options. And I was like, who cares? Let's get it out like, but obviously for my parents and my siblings were younger, like then they are now obviously, but they like, none of them were, about to have kids Mm -hmm. so I think they weren't as concerned at the time as obviously mum and dad were like oh my god if she has a hysterectomy obviously her her path to having a family like in like we're talking like 15 years ago as well like it it's very it was like what were the options you know Mm. um IVF being very new then and not talked about at Mm -hmm. all so they were just devastated for me being like how 
like this is going to affect her life obviously forever but more so in the when she gets to a stage she wants to have a family um what like what are the options so and at the time when when I was diagnosed I didn't do any IVF I know like quite a lot of people would do IVF if they're going to go through chemo and radiation and I was lucky enough to avoid those two things and and just have surgeries so I did keep my ovaries which meant that I was able to do IVF later in life my ovaries functioned as as typical enough as they could for at the time minus. so you weren't told to freeze that none of that was even brought into no conversation. Okay. no but also at the time as well it was like there wasn't I, I was so unaware I think I didn't even IVF hadn't even come into my my even into my ears from anyone mm. else even of an older age yeah um so what I could do feel really fortunate that I it happened to me at a time in a generation that IVF is it was it and is it a possibility because if I was 10 years older, it would be very different. So, yeah. So you go through all the procedures, really hard, obviously physically yeah. and mentally. Um, I remember you went away. You mm. went to France, am I correct? Yeah. You went away. Yeah. A kind of healing mission. Um, well, yeah. Just to get space and get your head right and get... Well, I had, like, at the time I was... Um, we were going through our business was kind of changing and we were in a space that we were stepping away from our business. And my plan before the diagnosis had been to potentially move to um, France. So I was kind of like, when I got diagnosed, let's just go to France on holidays. I was like, I can do this. Let's go to the sun. So I went to the sun with my sister and her boyfriend at the time, now brother-in-law, um, just to be away because I had it. I had a six-week healing period that no one could treat anything. They couldn't even do more scans properly. We were kind of stuck. So I was like, "Well, a beach will help," which it did. It like if I'd been in Ireland, I think I needed to get away from people who were all trying to be really kind, but maybe just didn't get it. Need to see. Yeah. Well, how would you get it? Like it's, yeah. fine, it's a hard one to get. Yeah. When you're 25, and I remember we were all told <coughs> as a group with quite a. We've quite a, it was a big group then, but we've quite a tight knit group of school friends. I mean, we all have our adult little groups that we have and our family, and but we have this school friend group. And I'll never forget being told because it se- seemed like such a foreign concept and something that happens in the movies to people. Do you know what I mean? And this is why we were young and juvenile. And I'll never forget all being told on separate occasions. I think your sister told me, and then other people told, and Kelly told other people. and. I just remember being so heartbroken for you. I was completely devastated. I was very immersed in my own. I was working as a teacher. I think as a teacher at the time. I can't remember. I had moved out. I was with a guy. And I was just heartbroken for you. But it's very hard to relay those feelings to someone when they're also actually dealing with the thing. Yeah. And you're on the periphery trying to be of any use. But we were all so um, heartbroken for you. And I think probably didn't understand much about it. And we kept asking questions. And what does this mean for him? What does this... And I guess we didn't even think about the future in IVF and babies. It was more, is Amy going to be okay? I mean, our biggest thing was, sorry, is Amy going to be here with us? Because that's kind of all that we want yeah. to know. Um, very scary. It sent ripples through the group. Um, so we were devastated for you. But you were yeah. an incredible force. And you always are, to be reckoned with. Yeah, it's so interesting. Because when I was diagnosed, I, being 25, I didn't know anyone who had been young with mm. cancer. I was like, that's what people get when they're old. Mm. And like... That or you just, hear about it. Yeah, or yeah. like it would have heard of the odd person who was like not old, yeah. who had had cancer. So I, it was just such a foreign idea that I could have it. Um, so for me, I was like, just get rid, and then I'll get back to things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can see that it, like at the time, well, maybe it's because we're getting older, we hear of cancer more, and unfortunately it's more prevalent as well. So yeah, it's... Do you think now, as you deal with all the other things you're dealing with in life as we get older, you are dealing with the um, mental load of that now? Are you kind of going backwards? Did you get counseling? Like, do you felt like you worked through it well at the time? Do you think you did as best you could? Or did you get help at the time? Do you remember? Just for anyone who's similar. I did. um, I I definitely dealt with it at the time. And I'm still dealing with it, Mm. like 15 years later, and probably will forever be dealing with it. um, as, As still, things are changing in my life due to my diagnosis then so yeah like I I, I went to ARC um, 
our cancer support, which was which was great. Um, and it was what I needed at the time. And it's an amazing support network. And then I have I found an amazing counselor who's been my counselor mm. on and off for years. And I also had so I've I've constantly been through counselling and I suppose as as your life evolves and you know there was there was a stage in my life that I was like oh the, the thought of having a family was part was always there but it wasn't my focus so it, I didn't need as much support in the family support area. emotional yeah. area yeah. at the time um at different times so um so yeah I've always had to get support because I couldn't imagine not getting support in any for anyone in anything they deal with in life because life is full on Amy's a good one I'm like. <laughs> I just go swimming or to the gym or listen to a podcast and, and it's like, well, maybe you should go to therapy. No, this is how I do it. Like, it's oh. funny, but you're correct. It's just, it's so helpful for so many people. And obviously it's the best thing you can do for yourself. Um, Your life, do you feel like at 25, your life completely changed course of what you thought was going to happen to your life? Or is that too, is that too crazy a thing to say? No, well, everything, everything changed. Like, yeah, like, I, but I have no idea who I would have been if it hadn't happened. So, but I know that... Yeah, a lot of things have changed and, and I have definitely fundamentally changed as a person from that. Like in in like I I don't know how you couldn't change. Um so yeah. For people who don't understand, so when you say that you had a hysterectomy, for people who don't understand when you're saying your ovaries, what were the physical like what was the physicality of that? Did you continue to get a period? Did you not have a period? What did you have to do regarding your health, cancer checks? Scan- so for that kind of part of it, what happens? Because we hear so, a lot of scary things about um cervical ovarian cancers, all these things, obviously since we've had this awful um tragedy in Ireland, which has been women's health in the last few years where so many women have lost their lives. So we hear about it, but what happened to you physically? So for me, for my diagnosis and every diagnosis is completely different, even within the same cancers. And like it, it's so the, the more people that I meet who've been through a similar experience to me, it's just so different. So for me, I had um, an amazing surgeon who was like, I really want to keep your ovaries. For me at the time, I didn't even realize really what the ovaries <laughs> did. I was like, whatevs. Those things, yeah, if I need to sure. keep them, that's fabulous. But like, honestly, I would have not, I had no idea what would have happened if he'd removed them. Because I had like, I knew nothing about menopause bar. People got really hot flushes. That was literally it. And it's that, that's What your mum would say maybe or something. Yeah. She didn't even want to talk about it. Okay. So no, like, no, I literally knew nothing. So I was like, okay, great. You're going to keep those things. That's handy. Um, so my ovaries were moved to a higher area in my body. So if I did need other treatment, they would still have a chance of staying uh, functional. So my womb was removed, my cervix was removed, all the kind of area around there, the top of my vagina. They basically did all, like all the womenly things were rejigged or cut out. And then, um, so then uh, after my surgery, um, I still would have gone through all of those kind of hormonal, like my breasts would have got swollen on my cycle and my skin would have got bad. I would have gone, I personally get quite emotional with my cycle. I know some people don't, but for me, I go a bit bonkers. Um, and Sing it, sister. Yeah. Like all of the things bar, I yeah. wouldn't have bled. Yes, okay. So, so you uh, still went through all of that stuff. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, and, and uh, like each month, your egg would have been released, but it would have been absorbed back into my body as opposed to like there was no tubes to well there was tubes at the time to go down but have recently been removed so um yeah I, all of the kind of things but obviously then they kept me away from the menopausal things that I'm now learning about that it was amazing that he was able to keep them for many things for my body but also then for the opportunities to do IVF down the line so he sounds like an amazing yeah very talented said. man yeah, yeah. Life continues, but it doesn't. I mean, obviously, this is, you know, it's a very kind of simplistic thing to say. Life continues and da-da-da. But, you know, you, you, you're you just an incredible woman. You you got on with life. Like, it still always felt as your friends, like, oh, my God, Amy's been through something. But you were like, right, next, what's happening? Yeah. In between all of this, there was another business, um, a gorgeous business, which stemmed from, I think I'm correct, your travels in New Zealand to a place called Raglan, which, you know, subsequently meant you had a place called Raglan in Dublin, which was really cool. And it was like this kind of rag, tradey road, um, this very cool area. And like, you've always done an amazing job with boutiques and it's definitely 
style and taste and fashion mm-hmm. and retail and running a business is definitely a forte and you were running that and we were also proud of you but in the mean- meantime you'd also been abroad for a while to China you'd done quite a lot right yeah yeah, like you did. Well, like I suppose after after all my treatment and like physically becoming better, as opposed to like there's still obviously other parts that you still continue to go through with as your body changes post treatments. So yeah, like I I did all the things that I would have I think I would have wanted to do anyway. Like did that tick box of going to Australia. Yeah. Um, and you had a ball in Australia. <laughs> no, I did. I did. I absolutely did. But it was one of those things that I felt it was 100% essential at the time. Like dancing on um, tables, like each part, like it's the best. Yeah, and it was, it, was, it was also like incredibly grateful to be alive after my diagnosis. So it was a great time to be doing those things and being like, hell yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm alive. Um, so I traveled a lot and I set up another business and just before I set up my second retail um I met my now husband so um like I suppose between then as you start to become older and people start to have children as well you become more aware of like I guess learning about what the options for me were to to have a family and like people always ask me this question and I feel like it's kind of it's a full-on question people ask and people kind of people regularly say to me well, why didn't you adopt? And I've only now kind of really realised that, like, why doesn't anyone just adopt? Like, it's just and having because... picked your brain for one minute on that, I realise it's quite the challenging no, conversation. But it, it is. It's not and that like, simple, I would never yeah. have turned around to you and be like, "Oh, you have two kids around that you you grew and gave birth to. Why didn't you just adopt?" Like, it it it's a, I don't know. It can it can hit funny. Um, and for me, it is like I hundred percent looked into adoption as a as a possibility, but it's it's really lengthy it's hard it's 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 expensive it's challenging it's, there's like i think tape, when i looked paperwork. into it at the time it was like going to be seven years wow. a seven year process for, um and the seven years is a long time oh, at God. any time do you know mm. what i mean so and there was a lot of things that really would have had to line up so it like for i knew i couldn't just have a, a, a romantic night and, and have and conceive a baby so um when myself and my husband so hang on hang on backtrack your sorry, backtrack sorry so you meet across a crowded restaurant <laughs> I need you to so Amy you know is a gorgeous person inside and out has always been you know admired by men always and like you know you've had some wonderful boyfriends that. some funny ones some great ones we've all had our past <laughs> Reg is like completely different to someone like he is the funniest guy he is yeah. just so out there he's an amazing chef you know yeah. he's um, full of love and care and he is gas he's larger than life in all of those ways but probably wouldn't have been someone like you know you'd probably pick the guy in the band or you'd pick the arty guy you'd pick the <laughs> guy skateboarding to the shop or you'd pick the guy right so you guys meet through through your brother-in-law's business he's working there was it this great romance initially or was it just that you just got on so well and he was a breath of fresh air? Like, you tell me, because I want to tell you what it was. But for <laughs> us, we were a, like, he is great for it's her. It's such a funny question. Like, yeah. we well, I, I had known him for years because we crossed paths. So I'd known him for years, but I had, I had, I had a different boyfriend yeah, at the time. sure. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> um, and then when I was single, he was... He was also single, and um, we got on really well, and we just had really good fun. And I like I I found him really attractive, and he's a really lovely person to be around. He's he's a great person. So, um, yeah, like I guess the times were just I don't know whatever way they worked out. And I think my husband and I are also quite different, but like you are so funny because you are so different and you complement each other. And Amy loves a good clean, like you're, you love a good organization. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure Reg is on the same. Uh-uh. Yeah. So there's that. And there's just so many other things. And I love it. It's great because he's just um, it's a great it's a great pairing. And I think he's also fundamentally a very determined person. Um, and you're a determined person. If you want to make something happen in life, you're not really going to sit around and cry and talk about that. You're going to make that happen. Yeah. And I think that's been. Oh, we have the, really like made he, things happen. He's a yeah. doer. There's been people you've been with and I've been with, we've all been with, that nothing really happens and there's no progression. It's just useless and he's just such a doer. Yeah. So obviously you're mad about each other and it's all lovely and you're having kisses in the tree. So you progress in your relationship and the conversation's also gonna, always going to come up 
for you because I knew that you always wanted to have kids. It was yeah, always like, more so I, than any of us in school. I about to say, yeah, like in secondary school, before <laughs> all of these things, 100%, I was like, oh, I will have children and I will have a family unit and I can't wait to be a mom. Like, it's always something I always wanted to do. So, um, he knew though, because I'd obviously known him, like we crossed paths for years. He, he was aware of my medical history because I've been open about it. I've yeah. always talked and shared, um, because I just feel like it's it's more helpful to talk about these things than not for for people in general. Um, so he knew my medical history. He knew that um, for me, I couldn't um, carry my own child. So he was obviously we didn't have to like sit down and have the conversation. He knew those things as friends. So when we started to be in a relationship and as things uh, like as we got engaged and then got married, it was kind of I suppose we'd always talked about it he knew any of those things so it was it was nice he didn't have to because I know it, it must be hard to suddenly like on Find one stage out. on your date be like so just to let you know the logistics around my anatomy um, and it's like it's so so yeah he always knew so it wasn't like we ever sat down and went so just letting you know which, you know, because you had done a few interviews and people were very interested in your story and you were someone who was was known in Dublin through retail and fashion and your family. And it was yeah. like you had done these, you'd really utilized um, certain interview opportunities to talk about it, which I thought was so brilliant. And you're also wonderful on social media, at, like the celebration for the five year cancer free and all these great milestones. But yeah, this is a man who knows. So when do you start going I want to have our own baby so how are we going to go like when did that all come up and your beautiful sister come into it well I think like I Reggie is really a great dad but he's really great with kids like he's he's fun yeah he's fun yeah he's fun and um, so I knew that he always, he always wanted to have a family I mean I can just say he's you guys are fun because I was seven months pregnant at your wedding was I seven months pregnant and like usually being seven months pregnant with someone's wedding ain't so fun. Mm-hmm. And I think I was last dancing on the <laughs> dance floor, like obviously not drinking to, to just say, but there's photos of me literally massive bump and just like giving it. We just had so much fun at your wedding. Yeah. Um, no, he's great fun. And he's, um, yeah, he brings fun all the time. And he is very, oh, what's it called? Like he's just a natural, like has that natural like what is it you want to be a dad paternal paternal that's the word yeah, yeah sorry yeah. I'm tired paternal yeah he's really he's great with kids and he really enjoys it and he's a great uncle to like our 23 nieces and nephews <laughs> that we have um, so it's funny I don't know exactly know how all of the things unraveled in their times because we've had a lot going on mm-hmm. for the last millions of years of our lives Um but we did know that our my body was obviously getting older and if I wanted to do IVF your the stats are more in your favor to do IVF younger than older and um because I was with my long-term partner that we wanted to as opposed to just freeze eggs yeah. which your stats are much lower than freezing embryos okay. of success we were like okay we know we're gonna be together so let's get my bits and your bits and put them together in a dish and put them in storage sooner rather than later because if we're gonna be able to use them the younger they are yeah, the better the yeah. be- just just yeah just statistically the better so why not um get on to that mm-hmm. so for me though IVF was I did three rounds of IVF to have our daughter and to create embryos but a lot of the time when people would do IVF, there's a lot of different stages, obviously, IVF. But for me, you couldn't go vaginally to take out my eggs because there's a lot of parts missing. So for me, anytime I needed to do IVF, you'd have to I'd have to go in to a hospital. I had to find the person who could possibly do it, one man in the country who could do it. And unfortunately, at the moment, the way things have changed, that clinic is no longer there. So I don't think there's anyone in the country who can do the type of IVF that I, laparoscopic okay. IVF of well, what, I, what I was yeah, doing yeah. at the time. So fortunately, it was the most amazing um, consultant who helped us retrieve our our embryo eggs and then into embryos um, through laparosco- uh, laparoscopy. Mm-hmm. Um, so each time I went in, they'd have to open up my stomach and do a big job which also would had 
had a lot of impact on my mm. ovaries because my ovaries aren't in a place that they're supposed to grow um, because they're not where they're supposed to be. And so they were big, big surgeries, but we were so fortunate to create embryos um, that we could put aside when we worked out the next part mm-hmm. of what does one do with embryos yeah. when you don't have a womb um, to work out how to grow the child. <laughs> and I'm not saying you're blasé because you're not blasé, but like, he, you know, I had two laparoscopic procedures in my life you know that is it hopefully for now Amy in my life and that really mm-hmm. had a traumatic um, effect on me for loads of reasons other reasons too but just it's a physical um, it's stressful on the body right so you're yeah. telling me you're doing this a number of times and you're like you know I had to do that it is such a fundamental effect on you because it's exhausting it's hard it's wearing you down like it's not yeah. just you're doing this for the good of the it is a lot to be fanning around or poking around at someone's body but a lot yeah. and I think the like when I reflect on the kind of my IVF journey part of becoming a parent mm. like I think people don't talk about it enough and they like I suppose I did my IVF five six five and four years ago maybe around that um and I feel like there's there's more chat about it now but it's still not enough and like IVF is so full on like it's so full on and unless you're in it it's so full on and even us going into it in quite a naive way because we didn't technically kind of have a fertility problem that brought us to IVF so it wasn't like we tried and tried and we weren't getting pregnant we were like oh we're just missing some parts so like I just went in being like can you just do the, the part that we can't do but actually even if you have everything kind of lined up and you don't have the fertility issue part there's it's still so hard and like our first round failed and I didn't I had no idea it was going to fail because I was like why would it fail I just thought it was going to happen and even realizing how much time I should have uh, possibly taken off work and how like I was running up to the hospital to go and get ultrasounds and injections and stuff on my lunch break like I it was wrong and I shouldn't have done that and and, you know IVF is a medical thing and I think it really needs to be looked at that that people create enough space for this huge thing that it is it's incredible but it's it's a lot it's a lot emotionally it's a lot physically yeah it's a lot and I think it's it like we're so fortunate that we are in the generation that we could do this but it was so much and so much for me but so much for for him as well like yeah thank you for saying that because I do feel there's a little bit of a and is it social media that everything's kind of become so small in how we say things like I had IVF I had a baby through this I had that I had a miscarriage like everything is very throwaway and sometimes it's just because of how we phrase it like I did IVF is a massive thing and like you've said one fails there's an emotional toll Mm -hmm. on you there's the responsibility I think we don't even talk about that as women. Even if that's not put on you by Reg or society, there's still that feeling. Yeah. There's his emotions that you probably don't even get time to think about because you've got your stuff. There's the exhaustion of going in, the hormone changes, everything. There was, like, even, like, I remember being, like, we were so busy. Like, he had a new business. I was working really intense job. And we were running, like, I remember, like, running into the bathroom and work to, like, inject myself because I didn't have time to take a lunch break. I didn't have time to do these things and no one cared and, like, no one got it. Like, no one got it at all. And then I'd have to, some of the injections were too too big for me to do, so I'd run in to Reg and work and he'd do my injections in the kitchen. Like, and, like, that was us trying to create our family. Like, it, it like, on reflection, it wasn't the best way for us to set ourselves up mm. to create yeah. these really precious little things yeah. that are like you're, so you're precious family. Yeah. yeah so yeah. precious and very upsetting to hear that as a friend but also as a woman like how we how we we really don't mind ourselves enough and it's such a like self-care put a candle on have a bath well no that's not self-care it's actually not having to do something in the toilet of your work you know it's not a third world country it's absolutely horrendous how women are and it's like the same about miscarriage miscarriage you know during work and not being able to tell someone the shame you even speak on a minor level about a period and the shame of the tampon or what is wrong with us as society and as humans that we can't just mind ourselves and each other um but that was a really tough time for you it was really tough my dad was terminally ill as well and but we knew we had to do it at the time so 
we did it and it was and we were so lucky that we we had success from it because I know that some people do it and, and don't have success and I cannot imagine the toll on on anyone who goes through that and the toll on the relationship and and then at the same time we um we were starting to look into surrogacy it's also expensive you know it's expensive mean? and it's, it's so expensive like and even like yeah it's it's and it's a lot it's like you learn a whole new thing like like learning how to things. inject yourself and yeah. Learn, yeah it's it's a lot and i have so much admiration for anyone who does it and um it's difficult but it's wonderful when it's when it when it works in the way that you hope it will so um we we knew we had these embryos that we'd made they were on on freeze i, I when after my third surgery my consultant was like I can't do anymore if your bowels are wrapped around your ovaries. If I do it, like they're going to rupture. You know, you don't have to bowel bowel problems. So that was our that was our our pocket of, of the embryos that we had. We couldn't do any more. And actually, to be honest, that was kind of good because I physically don't think I could have gone through another surgery because I like kind of had had so many surgeries. A, and I, and I ha- then it, like have had many surgeries again. So like it. So that was me. I was like, okay, that's what's done. Um, we're optimistic with the pile that we have and well not the pile the few we have <laughs> not a pile um but um yeah so surrogacy for us was the option mm-hmm. for because we had these embryos and in ireland there's it's, we don't have a culture around it we don't really have um like even when I when we were making our embryos, the clinic was really straight up with us. And we're like, I don't know, like we can't help you with these embryos. You're gonna have these embryos, and just so you know, there's nothing you can do with them in Ireland. And we were like, you know, that's fine. Um, they they were very, they were like, really, really want to help you have a child. And surrogacy is amazing, amazing, but there's, it's not it's not an option for you here. And make sure you looked into it as, and, and that was great because it it is very complicated. <clears throat> Sorry. So. Um, yeah, at, at the time, my registered from a family of six kids. Mm-hmm. I were f- like the six siblings and there's four in mine. So we're both from big families and we're both really close to our our families. Mm-hmm. And there is a lot of grandkids. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a lot of kids around us and that was amazing. And we have lovely niece and nephews, but they were all quite young. And, you know, like we were at the, what age was I when I got married? Like 30 I don't know, to the maths, like, like 34 or something. I don't know. So, like, a lot of... Yeah, so a lot of a lot of our friends, I was probably in a sense, like, towards the towards the end of our friends getting married. So a lot of our friends were married, and a lot of them had kids, had yeah. kids or were having kids yeah. or were, you know, planning to have kids soon. Like, so we were kind of at the stage of, like, you to get married to the embryos and then try and have kids with them. Um... So my younger sister had had one of her own, her firstborn, and um, herself and her husband came to myself and my husband and said, we would, it's the kindest thing ever, that they would like to carry or try and carry for us because they loved their little boy so much and they wanted to share that with us. Katie's amazing. So they how on earth? Sorry, like how on earth does that? Um, where are the tissues gone? <laughs> where have we put them? I'm they're here. They're here. So have I have tissues because I always have them under my. How like because you're kind of saying they came to us. Did they come out of the blue? Was there a conversation with you and Reg first, or did they literally say? No, to you? like I suppose when we when we knew that we needed someone to help carry for us, we um we kind of always had a WhatsApp group. No, we had <laughs> But the two of us had chatted about a lot and be like, I wonder, like, oh, you know, anyone, like, you know, and then certain people were like, Jenny Mackers, that wouldn't be easy for them or that, like, totally wouldn't be on theirs. And then, you know, like, you just, obviously, you have these random chats. Well, not obviously, we, did, we had these random chats, but like, I wonder, and um, it's a huge thing to do. It's not, it's not, it, there's no proper legal structure as well. So that makes it even more challenging. Mm-hmm. So you, for us, we didn't want to get into it in, with someone we didn't know in Ireland because it's it's very hard to do it in Ireland if you can even do parts of it not even other parts of it it's, it's technically wasn't an option then either um, we do hopefully have change to come but we're still waiting for the update on that so um, yeah my sister and her husband came to us and said we'd like to try and help you guys do this my sister had looked into it loads 
because she's reaction? like that. Like, what was your reaction? Oh, we just we just, we cried. just they cried. They cried. Yeah. yeah, like even even to try and it not work. Yeah, it's so for huge. Her to say just that. to yeah, yeah. A- and to say it with. Because I have had people who've said it to me willy-nilly and it's the, one of the most hurtful things to say, oh, I would have done that for you. No, you wouldn't have. Like, don't say it. Like, it's not... You wouldn't have. And you wouldn't... People who just say, oh, I would have done it for my sister, but would you have? Like, it's it's a huge thing. And people who carry for other people, I just think, are incredible. Like, it's just... It's the most incredible thing. And it's... There's so many layers to it. So she and her husband were like, we, we would like to do this for you, but we would like to try and have another child first before... We don't want to wait for too long for you guys because we'd like you to be younger on the parent side. So uh, they got a wriggle on and they had their second child while us trying to start understanding. Surrogacy road. Yeah, of, of what, what it means. And and we, just to point out, Katie lives in New Zealand. Oh, yeah, just sorry. To point out there's a slight geographical. Well, thankfully she lives in New Zealand because when yes. she was she was living in Ireland at the time when this conversation started because my dad was so sick. And we... Um, we looked into it. We went to so many clinics. We talked to so many people and we were like, we just, you know, we have this 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 relationship and she's happy to do it. And from everything we see, she should be physically a great carrier. Like oh, there's always a chance it won't work. But she's had she ticked all the boxes of, of health and her age and carries well and um, had never had a miscarriage. And we have these embryos can you give us a hand and everyone was like no way like and and it wasn't because no one wanted to help but everyone was like we just can't there's no there's no legal if we got you into that you like don't know where you'd stand legally and that child wouldn't be yours legally and and, and everyone was coming from it in the in the most trying to be helpful mm. but also couldn't be helpful mm-hmm. and by any means be helpful we looked at the UK we couldn't do it there because we weren't UK residents which is totally understandable um and then it, it came to, because Katie, after dad passed away, she moved back to New Zealand because her husband is Kiwi. And in New Zealand, they have this incredible family outlook. And they, I, I feel like for me, they're really progressive. Progressive, yeah. As they say, ahead. But yes, you know, as long as people are in a caring and a loving situation, there is an opportunity for anyone to become a parent of... Like there would be grandparents who raise grandchildren as as a in a parent mm-hmm. unit as opposed to a grandchild unit, and yeah, like I just feel like they're yeah they just see they're, they're way cooler than us <laughs> in every sense. And just no, said Dan was also very helpful in kind of the way she has yeah, um, and and there was there was a there was a a way for us to try and apply for it to become an option, and in Ireland there wasn't that. I know I've heard of people who have managed to make it happen in Ireland, but kind of to feel like it's on the black market that you're trying to do it, it's pretty shitty. It's like, a horrible feeling. Yeah, so, like, we... We... Um, to, to make it as short as possible, we looked into the Kiwi um, side of things. My sister had been a huge, huge drive on it to help make sure that we could um, put together like this really 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 complicated um application which was understandably complicated because was a lot of things to be looked into a lot of counseling a lot of group counseling to make sure everyone was actually in in a safe place that it was the right thing for everyone and what would happen afterwards and we applied and the kiwi health board said yeah we're happy to see if we can help this happen if you um want to try and do an implantation in new zealand which is was amazing and also the Kiwis knowing that they're taking on a new citizen because my daughter is now a Kiwi citizen <laughs> and also she falls into their healthcare as well which was incredible and you know the maternity system she was covered and she was in NICU for a long time and she was covered you know and they like just incredible just like, amazing yeah. yeah so um after years of 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 admin and working out how to get embryos from Dublin to New Zealand um, and in my little cartoony mind, I'm like, Amy's standing <coughs> in Dublin Airport waving her embryo on a plate. Like, does isn't that what ha- it literally is taken in an ice? Can you explain that? Because that's yeah. Crazy. So there is there is like fertility couriers. Um, there's like there's 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 a handful of them out there that um, support families, whether they're getting donor eggs or 
or a sperm from a different country, it has to come in and out of different countries. Like it's a whole, it's a whole business, business. that goes on. And but of people trying to help people have families, and like to be honest, it is a business. But the people that I have interacted with on my journey have actually been really human about it. Mm. You know, um, but each time we we move embryos and we've moved them from countries to countries to countries. I don't know how many times now. Um. They fly mm, in a. It's remarkable. In a, with it, with a person, they fly yeah. in a cylinder, and they're like, they're sent from country to country. But certain it, degrees they have to be. It's and the clinics have to approve them, and they have to understand whose genetics. I mean, it has to be approved that obviously they know whose genetics are, are flying around the world, and it like, it's it's like months and months and months and months of admin. It's it's impossible to describe how big a project it is to move, um, embryos and sperm and um eggs. So. We flew our our eggs or a sperm, sorry, our embryos, our embryos to New Zealand, um, to give it a whirl over there and see if we could make it happen. So we we did, we actually did a natural cycle with with um, my sister. So she actually didn't do any IVF. Okay. She just um, they just timed her cycle and monitored it, and transferred one embryo. Um, in New Zealand, you're only allowed to do one embryo at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, transferred. Florence um and it worked we didn't know it was it was Florence we didn't we didn't know what like what sex the baby was going to be but transferred her to Katie and Katie carried her for us in New Zealand so from the little friend group perspective (coughs) over here when we're all just watching this incredible stuff happen Amy sets up no Amy changes our whatsapp group title to it's a kiwi Mm-hmm. With the photo of a scan of an embryo, of that an was embryo. actually an embryo. Sorry. Yeah, it was a, a scan of an embryo, something yeah. like that. I'm walking my two-year-old, two-year-old, I think, to her crash, and this comes through. Of course, bawling yeah. on the middle of Kenilworth in the middle of Kenilworth Square, looking at this. It's a kiwi because we've, mm-hmm. you know, you've had to go through so many pregnancy announcements, so many scan mm-hmm. pictures, so many this and this, so many of those. And I can tell you the absolute joy that you were getting to say this. And then they're like, when is it? What's happening? And you're like, Jesus, slow down. Like, this is just the beginning. Mm-hmm. But like, what a feeling. Uh, it was like, it has has like been an incredibly long roller coaster to get to that stage. And like, it was amazing, but it was also just kind of a weird feeling. Like, it kind of felt like it really wasn't happening in a sense because... We weren't there. Mm. Like Katie was in New Zealand. The transfer had been done when we were in Ireland. How like how random? Like your sister has your baby inside her. Mm. Like how does that happen? It, like it's so hard to get your head around. And I still still find it hard to get my head around. Like but like even the fact that people carry babies themselves, their own babies, it's bonkers. <laughs> and the baby's inside them, and, and you know, like, like hand. the whole yeah, the whole growth of a human is is wild. But of someone else's human inside you. Um, and all of the other things that go along with that. And for Katie's, Katie, two little kids at the time, they were pretty little. Like they were five and two. Um, so for them to be part of this, that they the mum was pregnant again and that there was going to be a cousin because um, Amy couldn't carry her own cousin. Like, just so cool. Like, so amazing. But also just, it, it did feel like for so, so, so long that it wasn't really happening because, like, how do you feel like it's happening? Especially when we weren't even in the same country. Like, we we flew to New Zealand at 20 weeks for uh, the 20-week scan, um, but had to kind of suddenly jump on a flight because there was the rumbles of potentially this covid thing that was happening and the borders might close. So we hopped on a flight, and then two days later, the borders closed. So we, we, we stayed in New Zealand. Um, so we were there, but we couldn't even go to any scans or anything because we weren't allowed to do anything. It was so covid at the time when we arrived, and we were isolating and... Then there was a baby in Katie's tummy, which, yeah. So Can I ask you a really personal question? You do not have to answer this mm. question. It's personal, but it's also like probably what some people might be thinking. I know that Katie is literally your heart and soul. Mm-hmm. And like, I know how she's the most important person to you and Reg. And yeah. She's very special. Like I've known her obviously since school and she was always your little sister, but she's very special. Yeah. And she's obviously um, one in a million, right? And she's doing this and the hope and dreams are that this all comes to fruition and you get to have mm-hmm. this baby. 
Is there also a grief that you're not carrying it or are you just so grateful you don't have time to grieve that? Or did you care at that stage? Had you no. kind of gone through that process in your mind? I don't think so. Like I was never like jealous that I wasn't yeah, carrying it around. There wasn't it, a sadness. It, no, no, no. It was it was just amazing that, okay. that it was happening. But it was more so like you're obviously not connected to a pregnancy. Sure. And like when you like you see it's it's like someone else being pregnant well they are pregnant but with their own child like mm. you're like oh that's cool but like you know we had the app of it like the different fruit and vegetables or whatever the <laughs> baby was supposed to be at the different times stuff but like you're not experiencing them so I suppose I was probably being like a husband do you know what I mean as in when you're partner or you're the, the you're, se- or the yeah. second parent mm-hmm. whether it's two women or you know or two men like when you're when you're not when the baby's not in you like say your husband mm-hmm. was never pregnant so he's obviously part of it, but like kind of don't really think it's real. And then the baby comes, you're like, oh, wow, that was really happening. I kind of feel like that was where we, you know, I, I, I don't think someone who's never been pregnant can never really understand what's happening. Okay. I don't think the same because you're not experiencing it. And that's OK. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. No, no, like no, no, as in, but it, it, it definitely. I mean, that's a really weird. good, honest answer. That's just like. I don't want to move you too far because like there's, there's so much left and I don't want to be rushing you either. But like you're you're th- there's a lot in between that like Amy isn't going to and can't go into. But there's a lot in between that. Amy's also working. Reg is working. They have a life here and they've had to, like you said, move across to New Zealand and stay, you know, down the lane from from your sister yeah. during COVID, which is scary because like when the heck are we going to get home? Yeah. While she's about to give birth to you. And there's nerves around labor. There's mm-hmm. always nerves around labor. You, there's two little kids, like you said, there's a myriad of other things going on in your mind about Matt leave and will I be protected? There's so much going on yeah. in your mind, in your world. But can you bring us to D-Day? So... Yeah, like in between, I suppose, Katie being pregnant, it wasn't an easy pregnancy for her. I don't think it was physically or emotionally easy for her. So there was a lot of, um, like, it was really tough. Like, it was tough. She was emotionally tough. It was also COVID. We were in her house with her in New Zealand, working remotely. And I was working through the night and then trying to be awake during the day. a lot of rain. It seemed to be a lot of rain. It was winter. It's a lot of rain. Winter. <laughs> like, of all times to be stuck in New Zealand. Why winter? <laughs> so, um, and then you have her amazing husband who is there and her in-laws who are also in a kind of grandparenty role. Everyone is involved in this, like, wild thing. Like, um, and an amazing midwife um, who really helped us along as well because she hadn't done a surrogacy before. And again, she's like another extra people who are a part of this and not re- like not really able to be fully enrolled in it until it happens. And so, um, and we had a lot of um, tough times during the pregnancy for Katie that things just weren't right and she had a lot of funny pains and then we would end up in hospital but it's COVID so we couldn't go in. And um, she, at 36 weeks then, her waters broke and myself and Reg were like, woohoo, baby coming. And Katie and the midwife were like, no, you don't really want them to come for a bit. Like, and we were like, well, what's the difference? Um, because we're so naive. And the midwife was like, we really need to try and keep the baby in until at least 37 weeks. And we were like, Asher, we'll take it now. Like, so oblivious to all of the things. So um, Katie went to bed rest for like a whole week where her waters continually flowed, trying to keep the baby in. And we were like, oh, when are we getting that baby? Um... <laughs> Um, while trying to help her with her kids and her wonderful husband trying to support his pregnant wife who's not even carrying his kid um, who's having a like full on like not a typical pregnancy in any means this is a TV show yeah and Katie has getting amazing emotional support from her counsellor who was just incredible through the whole thing so yeah like it could it couldn't have been just like just wilder Um, so then at 37 weeks um we were booked in for an induction because Katie just couldn't be on bed rest any longer. And I think at that stage she was just like, I'm done. I just, I feel like I've, I've like emotionally, she just seemed like she was like, I can't do it any longer. Um, which is like incredibly hard to watch and be like, I'm really sorry that it's really full on. And like, that <laughs> you're just trying to keep this thing in that you're like incredibly anxious about because I think any pregnancy is emotional and you're like hoping that everything is okay but I think also when you're like it's my niece or nephew in there just want to keep them safely and then hand them back and then be like did my part thanks it's a huge responsibility yeah you know I like, actually think even 
I mean, I don't know, but I think when you're having your own, it's on you. It's kind of, it's on me. But I think mm-hmm. that is your baby she's carrying. That's huge. Yeah. And, and I think that was like part of it that, you know, for everyone, it was like, she just wanted to like give us the baby and be like, I've done my part. It's safe. Like, you know, keeping someone else's baby safe inside you yeah. for that. And then trying to give birth safely, like as another whole, like another whole part so um yeah we all went in for the induction and like poor poor katie two days of inductions and a failed induction and like it couldn't it couldn't have been like birth is wild wild for i think anyone it's wild like anyone who has a cruisy birth i don't think it's ever that cruisy it's still wild (laughs) i don't believe them no it's 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 like it's amazing what people's bodies do but i think it was particularly confusing for katie's body trying to give birth to something that was kind of like like yeah so she not she, maybe organically hers or not maybe yeah, yeah. And, and also like yeah that responsibility of giving birth and then yeah of yeah and then trying to just yeah um so i didn't use my lactation as well so i could feed um when that's a Florence whole was born. that's a whole pod thing cast guys this one. is mind-blowing um mind-blowing what she did but it so so then because the, also you kind of do wonder i suppose um are you going to be connected to the baby and like how are you going to feel when yes. the baby arrives and there was all those kind of things to think about as well and um so people think that by the way when they carry their like there's also that always. I totally yeah. get that yeah yeah but I, I guess it's probably more You're more worried yeah yeah and mm-hmm. um, um and it could go either way but um so yeah two days of inductions that didn't work and then an emergency c-section and Two husbands watching, trying to help, but like, but in fairness, Blake is just, oh my God, like he's just the most, watching him for two days with Katie in labor and stopping and starting and not working. And like he's, he's really, really good at births. Very helpful man. <laughs> like, no, honestly, it just was, he was amazing. Um, Cause he's also like going through a labor of not his you know, baby, you know? It's pretty, yeah. This whole thing is great. And then then his his parents, Katie's, or Katie's kids' grandparents, minding them, like, being like, how's it going with the baby in there? That's not their grandchild again. Um, But, so, yeah, everyone just willed so well. And Florence was born, and she was born safely, and um, the emergency C-section. I was there for the birth, and the two lads were outside. Um, And, yeah, like, it's, it's just mad. It's it's really mad. Like, and Katie just was like so chuffed. She was just like, "Yay, we did it!" And that teamwork of being like, all she wanted was for me to have a baby. And like, that's that's the only reason she did it was she wanted me to be a parent. It's so amazing. It's so amazing. Yeah. Was it su- super emotional? Were you just so tired? <laughs> were, you, were there no uh, no like, more tears left to flow? No, it was just just like. That bond yeah. would be so close. Like, even but though your sister's little, this bond is just so close. Well, the thing close, is, like, like, I feel like, like we're on a sibling surrogacy journey and we were in the Ukraine for a while and then we had a failed, a failed transfer there and then the war started. So we, we, we just had to put a, a stop to the Ukraine and we've moved country again now. And like, just these women who are there to help people become parents because they can't do it themselves are just amazing like it's just amazing like it is amazing there's no way to describe and i've like i've met a few of them and you know the more people that i i I, after having a child through circusy i've I've met a lot more people i'm just like these people who who mind your baby like who would mind someone else's baby for that long and and bring them into the world safely just like just amazing amazing people did like, you know she was going to be called Florence yeah if she was a girl she was going to be Florence oh you didn't yeah. know what sex no we didn't know I she didn't was, know that yeah we didn't know she was going to be secret. I didn't no. know that I thought you knew it was a no, girl she, oh no, no I had won the bet sorry that's separate <laughs> 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 I do remember some sad asses no, at home no I feel like sorry, yeah I we had, had the that conversation yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, so we didn't know she was going to be Florence. I think that was kind of nice to not know because everything had been so... So kind of... Years know. of planning to get to there. Wow. So it was kind of nice to not be like, oh, and it's 
Wow, what did it like? Wow, well, there would have been amazing. So, but it was like just exciting to be like, oh, it's a Florence. And through to. surrogacy, is the baby given to the mother? Like you automatically? Or so okay? all like, of that happens? is part of your um, when you do your when you start a surrogacy journey. It's all different from country to country, but throughout the start of any process, there is all those conversations are like part of that because there's some surrogates who really feel like they'd like to have the first moments with their child and also for delivering um, your placenta. Sometimes, like there's so many different things. So it depends. And for us, Katie wanted Florence to go straight to me. Um, and like, I wouldn't have minded either way. Like I wouldn't have been like, no, no, no. <laughs> like it, I, I was happy to do whatever, but um, she came straight to me post C-section. Poor Katie was being stitched back up anyway. So she wasn't really up to much. Um, but just to see Katie's face of like, oh my God, that's so cool. Yeah, yeah. Like it's, it is amazing and yeah. And then, you know, for her, like healing post C-section and yeah, for her niece, like. And you've taken it like a duck to water, which we all knew you would, mm. but you had to spend some time, obviously in New Zealand, you know, there was time afterwards, the organization, the, also Amy's lactating, Amy's literally doing that, but there's the healing of Katie, there's the bonding with your baby with Reg, there's all of that, but then you're also on this journey to get home, because this is home. Yeah. People have left things in your house, they've got balloons, we're like, everyone's like wanting to see this little yeah. gift, but you're still over there and you're trying to get home. How was the bonding with Flo and how did you find it all? Oh, I, I, well, obviously, no, no different. But, like, we just bonded with her straight away. Because we're like, hey, that's our person that we've been really wanting. Um, and she was she ended up in NICU for a week. And um, so the hospital is amazing. We, we were able to stay in the hospital in NICU because I was breastfeeding her. So we, like, we, we were just stuck to that child. <laughs> Still kind of are. Um, but, yeah, the, I like, for me, we just bonded with her. And it was great. And we kind of, like, you know, new parents trying to work out everything. Um, but then, obviously, trying to organize passports to try and get her out of the country to bring her home. And because legally, she, being mine and my husband's genetics, but the in New Zealand, she, because Katie was married to her husband, legally, Florence being Katie and Blake's child as opposed to our child, to try and organize passports to get her home and, and then having to all of us go to a legal office to get an, a, like paperwork signed and apostled and stuff so that we could leave the country with her and to get their permit, like to get it legally, their permission in, in writing so that we didn't get stuck in customs um, to bring her home during COVID to fly home, like for a 36 hour journey of masks and like COVID and trying to breastfeed an airplane. Um, so here you see the Hollis Street pictures of someone just walking out of the hospital with their, with the data pick with the, you know, the little, little um, car yeah. seat. Bye, no passports, no. No, I legislative know. Legislative stuff. Legislative yeah. um, All of that stuff. So, you know, um, you had to do all of that. Then you come home. Was there grief for Katie? Did you ever go there was she just so happy for you no, both I, I don't think so like I think it was so sad leaving like being like when are we going to see each other again that was an incredibly hard part and that is always a hard part when someone that you really want to hang out with all the time lives really far away um, but no she was just so chuffed and she was just so pleased that we were doing the thing that she wanted us to do which was be parents you know um, I know you're on another journey now that's something we can talk about on another day um, to, to have a sibling for Flo. Yeah. How is motherhood? How is Flo? How are you finding it? How are you loving it? Um, she's a great kid. She's gorgeous. She's gas. She's colorful like you. Stylish, fun, mm. um, smart as paint. How are you finding it all? It's amazing. We like. She's just like. She's just the coolest thing. Like we just like just the joy that she brings us. Like it's just wild. Like I I feel like we're just so like so grateful for her. Like, so, like, I do wonder as she grows up, she'll be like, you guys, you've got you wrapped around my little yeah. finger even more than any other child. Because, like, she, it just blows my mind, that, like, how she's here and who she is. And um, as we still work through, like, Reggie's now legally her father. I'm still trying to work through that. Eventually, hopefully, someday I can be her mother. But can we please work on that, whoever's hmm, listening to this? I'm really hoping that it happens soon. Um... But yeah, she's just so much crack. Like she's such a hoot. She's just funny. She's just so much fun, and she's two and a half, so she's really good crack. Everything's exciting. Everything's funny, and 
she's just full of chat and yeah like she's amazing it's 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 full on having a kid but it's she's she is just so cool yeah she's great she's a little like you know the word is bandied around a lot but I do believe you're totally spot on when you say these babies coming into the world is an absolute miracle it's not just this given like whether yeah. you're doing it yourself after some sexy times whether you're not doing it that way uh-huh. when you're doing it through IVF surrogacy whether it happens through adoption it is an absolute miracle we give out because we're tired and they kill us and they're a daily, you know, um, source of exhaustion and the nights yeah. are hard. But my God, is it the most incredible thing I've ever done? And I know you would agree about and your road is, um, has been so challenging. You've so much more to talk about. I know we have to talk to you again about all the other things yeah. in life. And you've also had all this this joy with Reg and this journey and food and excitement and fun and a, the loss of your dad you've been through so much Amy and mm. your story is not ending here there's gonna be so much joy yeah and bliss ahead of you but I just want to say you're an incredible person and we don't get to say it to you enough because we're all busy which is the 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 absolute disgusting word because we were sold the adult life which is a bit trickier than we thought it would going to be um but you are incredible and a force to be reckoned with and I'm not going to use the word strong because we don't always want to be strong but you just have you know expectations you've flown through all of it and you've broken down yeah. all of these walls and well done you and thanks for telling us all about what you've gone through we really you. appreciate thanks. it and I know it'll help so many people going through all the various things you've talked about actually so thank, thank you. you thank you thanks I hope you enjoyed this episode of A Little Birdie Told Me and if you did it would be wonderful if you could subscribe to the podcast 